Hey, friends, this is Chaplain Gary Rayburn of Lonesome Road Ministry. Our website is lonesomeroad.org, or you can call us at 618-383-2107. That's my partner, Fred Mooney. And I am so excited about being here with you. Yeah, we're going to enjoy this ride today with our friends and family out there on that old Lonesome Road. We got some great music on our program today. And we have personal testimonies. And maybe just a little bit of preaching. All right. And thy words shall be a witness unto you today. So buckle up. Relax. And hold on tight because here we go. Church on the Road. Right here on your favorite radio station. Fred Mooney, and it's become your life. Yes, it has, and I really, uh, really have a heart for these truckers out here when they're when they're living life on the road. Yeah, being on the road is a tough life to live. Uh, our 
speaker today is Galen Taylor, and we're dipping into the archives. He he shared this testimony with me uh, down at his house uh, many, many years ago. It was probably 2009 or 10, somewhere in there. But uh, I met Galen through a CD. He picked up a CD of Tony Mac McMullen's Free in Christ Testimony, and after he listened to that, he gave me a call and told me about his ministry down there at Memphis. He had a chapel down there at the Petro Truck Stop, and he was doing chapel services and doing a CD ministry down there. And we we talked for quite a while, and uh, and we become really close friends, and, and he would call me, and I'd call him. And anyway, we got together one day, and I went down to his chapel to be his speaker for, for the truckers out there and uh, ended up at his house asking him to share his testimony for our CD ministry. Well, it sounds very interesting. You know, it says, the title of it is, It's Never Too Late. And I was I was noticing a line in a song that says, There's a price to pay for the choices we make. But you know, with Jesus Christ, it's never too late. Amen, amen. Yeah, and that song you're talking about, Fred, is a song I wrote. And it's called On the Road, and I want to put that on for Galen Taylor right now because Galen fell in love with this song after he heard it a couple times, and he used it a lot in his ministry. So here's uh, On the Road. There's been so many times It seems like when you need me, I'm never at home. All I ever wanted was to be a man you could rely on. But it's hard to be that kind of man when you're on the road. Oh, life on the road is a lonely, lonely song. It'll always make you cry The love that we have known Is a lonely life alone Oh, it seems like all we're ever doing They say goodbye There's a price to pay For the choices that we make Sometimes the cost seems like more than we can take. All I ever wanted was to be there for you. But when I'm always gone, it's so hard for me to do on the road. Oh, life on the road is a lonely, lonely song. How you sing, it'll always make you cry. The love that we have known is a lonely life alone. Oh, it seems like all we're ever doing is saying goodbye. If I could have one wish, it would be. Turn back the hands of time So I could erase the pain I've caused 
from your mind If only I could make this dream come true If I could have it my way It would be me and you on the is on the road and now we're going to have a great testimony by my good friend Galen Taylor. It's never too late. So I'll just start back at the very beginning and that is uh, uh, in 1969 my my parents re- relocated from the place I'd grown up. We moved to a little town called Heber Springs, Arkansas. One of the first people that I saw that brought my attention was a a beautiful redhead at a bowling alley that uh, that weekend and uh, the it was an immediate attraction it wasn't it wasn't love it was an attraction uh, this girl just turned my head um, she was carrying a, a young baby that really turned me off you know I, I thought you know this is really a beautiful girl but I, I don't want to I'm 17 years old. I don't want to be messing with a girl with a baby. Well, to my great surprise, and, and that that was her little brother. So uh, during uh, during that next senior, senior year in high school, we started dating. Uh, or I started asking guys around town about it. You know, what about this girl? What about about this Patricia Hale? What? She he said they said that's one of the nicest girls in town. That's not what I was looking for. I didn't want the nicest girl in town. I was looking for a girl that I could have fun with. But I was so attracted to her that uh, before the year was out, we were dating, we were going steady. Uh, A year out of high school, we married. Six months after we married, I I got into the trucking business. Uh, I'd been raised in the trucking business. My dad had been driving all my life, but I said that's what I want to do. I didn't want to go to college. I didn't want to do anything but drive a truck. And so I got into that business. Uh, that was a time in our country that uh, I had been raised up in the drug era, the 60s. There was drugs everywhere, marijuana, LSD, all those things. That, and I never, I never touched it. I was afraid of it. I, I saw uh, older brothers of my friends that had uh, been busted with marijuana and sent to prison. I didn't want that. But when I got into this 
into this uh, area of the trucking business, it was uh, it was a time when uh, yelling black RJSs were in everybody's pocket. And uh, I was 19 years old. I had something to prove to the world. I had to prove that I could do it, that I could do a New York turnaround, that I could run to California in 36 hours. I had to prove to myself and to everybody else I can do this. And as a result of that, uh, the addiction soon took over. Uh, went to work for, for a man hauling cattle, and uh, the drugs were furnished. And it just became a downhill spiral from there. Just living that life, you know, being gone a week, two, three weeks at a time. And uh, it just got to the point to where it was uh, a life that there was no pleasure. At first it was, you know, Satan, Satan makes us think we're having fun. But after a period of time, that life begins to drag us down. And we begin to carry the burdens of it. And we begin to realize how painful this is, not only to us, but to everyone around us. Uh, we had a little boy that was uh, three years old at the time. Uh, I realized, even though I was not raised in church, I realized that I wanted my children to have something I didn't have. Uh, there was a void in my life, and I knew it. I didn't know what it was, but I knew that there was a void there. And so we started taking our son, Chris, to church. And every weekend I was home, I was there with him. And many, many times the invitation was given. And, and I would literally, you've heard people say they gripped the back. I gripped the pew to my white, my knuckles turned white. I wanted to walk down that aisle, but I didn't want to give up the lifestyle that I had. I, I wanted to be... Uh, I guess what we consider a Sunday Christian. I wanted to come on Sunday and, and everybody pat me on the back and tell me how glad they were to see me there. And then Monday, I wanted to be right back in the world. And um, that went on for a couple of years. Uh, I came in one night and my wife and I had a knockdown drag out fight. It was not physical, but it was, I was always very verbally abusive. I never touched her. I put my hand through walls. I broke my wrist one time hitting a door, and um, the anger was all built up inside. We pretty much made the agreement that night she was pregnant with our second son that once the baby was born, we would divorce, put an end to all this misery, and move on. I left there that night going to Kansas City. I went to the little town of Truman, Arkansas. I remember going by the the sign, Truman High School. And I had been under such conviction. I've been hearing the word preached for two years. I knew this Jesus they were talking about was real. I never had any doubt that God was who they said he was. But I never felt like it was for me. But all those times I was going to conviction, I'd grab the back of that pew that was Jesus calling me through the Holy Spirit, and I was rejecting every time. And that night, I remember as I drove by that sign, Truman High School, I began to speak to God. I can visualize it in my mind. First man say one time, wherever you came to know Christ, drive a mental stake in the ground. And any time that Satan starts to tell you, you don't know what you're, uh, you, 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 it's all a lie. This is all, go back to that stake. 
I know where I was saved. As I went past that sign, I can see it in my mind right now, the Holy Spirit spoke to me the first time I ever heard heard God's, God speak to me. It was in my own voice, but I knew it was God talking to me. And he said, you've rejected me for the last time. Make up your mind to accept me or I'll never come to you again. I realized at that point that if I die right now, I'm going straight to hell. And there's nothing I can do about it. And I started talking to him. Verbally speaking. And, and I said, God, I know you're real. I know who, you're who they say you are. And I know that Jesus died for me. And I cannot live the way I'm living any longer. I, I truly believe if I had, accept, had rejected God at that point, I don't think I would be alive today. I think he would have taken my life because I had I would have been of no purpose to him. And, and I fully believe that once we come to the point in our life that we're of no purpose to God, there's no reason for us to stay. And But I said, God, I can't change. I've tried. I've tried to quit the drugs. I've tried, tried to quit the booze. I can't do it but I don't want to continue to live this way. And if you will take me just the way I am, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And it was like the way the world was lifted off my shoulders instantly. It was gone. I felt clean. I felt pure. I'd never felt that way in my life. Uh, I got lightheaded. <laughs> and... I was going down the highway at 60 miles an hour praying and God heard that prayer. And I drove that mental stake in the ground right there. I could go back within 100 yards of where I come to know Jesus. I know exactly where he is. And I went on to Kansas City, came back home, walked in, told my wife, we need to talk. And and I told her, I said, there's something you need to know. I have come to know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I, I prayed and asked God in my heart. And, uh, and I said, I'm going to live for Jesus. With or without you, I'm going to serve Jesus. I'd rather it be with you. But you have every right to tell me to leave. And she said, I think that's what you need to do. You need to pack your bags and you need to go. And she had every right to do that. She had every biblical right to do that. I packed up and left. I came back about three days later to see my son and get some more clothes. Walked in the door and she said, were you serious about what you told me? Did you really accept Jesus? I said, yes, I did. And I'm serious about what I told you, that with or without you, I'm going to serve him. And she said, I'm going to accept Jesus too. I called the pastor of the church had been attending. He came over and he shared the scripture with us. I, I thought there was some ritual I had to do. I thought I had just made the first step. There was still something else I had to do. Uh, we prayed. I prayed the prayer again with him. And uh, when we finished, I said, Brother, I did that three days ago. And he said, That's when you were saved. But my wife uh, prayed to accept Christ. And she says, right now we start over.
we had been married eight years at the time. We will be celebrating our 38th wedding anniversary this coming spring. And our marriage is sweeter every year. But life took a real, real turn. A few years after that, uh, I realized that Jesus, well, I was being called into the ministry. Something that I had never expected. Matter of fact, that night on the side of the highway, if he said, I'm going to call you to preach, I said, whoa, 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 let's think this over again. Uh, I, I have a high school education. I wasn't raised in church. had no background whatsoever to be a minister. But uh, he called me into the prison ministry. I began going to the state penitentiary. Uh, eventually uh, started a uh, ministry at the county jail, my hometown. Spent 12 years as chaplain with the sheriff's department. Uh, as part-time, still driving a truck full-time. And I felt that uh, in my heart, I know now it was in my mind, not in my heart, uh, that I was going to be a full-time prison chaplain. That was my desire, that was my determination to be a full-time prison chaplain. God had different plans. And uh, for about three years I became very miserable. I kept saying, God, I don't, why, am I, why am I still driving this truck? Why? Why can't I be in the ministry full-time? You know, that's what my desire is. You know, our desire is not always God's desire. God had different plans for me. And uh, so where it really took a turn, I was leased to a company in Memphis called Sugar Services. We hauled corn syrup to the uh, food industry, Coca-Cola bottling, calling different places. And every six weeks, one of us had to go uh, there were six drivers, six owner operators, and every week one of us had to be on a run from Decatur, Alabama to Knoxville, Tennessee to Coca-Cola bottling. It was not a good paying run. Nobody liked to do it. It was a hard run. And uh, it was my turn. I didn't want to go. I left angry. I left with an attitude. But I went because that was my job. Uh, I was frustrated because I didn't want to be driving a truck to begin with. I wanted to be in the ministry. And the next three days was probably the most miserable three days of my life. Satan got all over me. I had thoughts coming back, uh, things I hadn't thought about in years, and he kept bringing all those things back, all those feelings, all those temptations. And I wrestled with that for three days. I literally wrestled in the cab of that truck with, with Satan. third night I was coming back over over the mountain at Huntsville, Alabama, coming back to Decatur. I felt the presence of evil in that cab. I'd never experienced anything like that. Hair stood up on the back of my neck. I felt the presence of evil. And I, I'm a Baptist. I'm not a shouting Baptist. I, I'm, a, I'm a pretty, pretty low-key type Baptist, but I shouted that night. I shouted at Satan and I shouted to him, Satan, you have no you have no right to me. You have no hold on me. I'm a child of God. I know Jesus Christ. Get out of my sight. Get out of my truck. Instantly, it's gone. That peace flowed over me again. Went on to Decatur, got loaded, went back to Knoxville the next morning. I was sitting down backed into the into the bay to unload. Got my Bible out, sat down by my right front wheel, leaned up against it. God, I don't know what you want me to do. I don't understand. 
why I'm still here. I don't understand why I'm still in this trucking business. You know that I want to be a full-time minister. Why am I still here? I opened my Bible up and I turned to Romans chapter 10. Started reading the verses I'd read many times, starting chapter verse 9. If you confess with your mouth, Lord Jesus, Lord, you believe in your heart, God raised my dead, you shall be saved. Verse I have memorized. But I kept reading and I got down to verse 14 that I'd read before but never really seen it. It just been words on a page. But it says, How then can they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him who they have not heard? And how can they hear without a preacher? And when I read that for the second time in my life, God spoke to me again. Again through my own voice, but through the Holy Spirit that was very clearly him speaking. And he says, I've got you right in the middle of the biggest mission field in this country. You have access to people that most preachers never come close to. You want to be in a full-time ministry, I've got you in it right now. All you've got to do is open your eyes and see. That turned my life around that morning. That next two days was the most joyous. I enjoyed that run. Uh, I just, uh, my whole outlook was different. It, it was... It was the next most exciting thing to come to know Jesus Christ because he had opened my eyes. It's just like he took the scales off of Paul's eyes. He took the scales off my eyes that I could see for the first time. I went by Red Pony on the radio. My dad was Red Horse. We both drove from Mobile Oil at one time and the flying Red Horse on the side. My dad had had that handle for years and so uh, when I went to work, uh, working with him, uh, the guys just kind of nicknamed me Pony. And so I picked that up, and, and I had a reputation with that handle. People around the country knew my reputation. It wasn't a good reputation. And I realized not only do I need to look at things differently, but people need to start seeing me differently. And this may seem very unimportant, but you know, CB radio to a truck driver, especially back in those days, was a very important part of the life. And uh, I said, Lord, I, I need a new house. I need a new identification out here. I need to start over fresh. Uh, when I key this mic up and people hear my voice, they don't need to remember who I was. They need to remember who I am. And the God God gave me a new handle. It was Asphalt Preacher. It just just seemed to fit and uh, I stopped that day and had a had a license plate made up asphalt preacher and put it on my on the front of my truck and I got home and and put a lighted cross on my front bumper and I said I'm gonna start being a light Jesus and brother when that happened it's amazing I could pull into a truck stop and drivers would come to my truck asking me to pray for them It was just mind-boggling the way that the way God would work, and I remember I, I was down in, in Nashville one day, and I was on a really tight schedule, and I pulled into the TA truck stop to make a phone call. That's back before we had cell phones, and and uh, had to run my. And I pulled in beside United Van Line, and there was beer cans scattered all in the back of that trailer. Both doors were open. There was furniture pads out, and there was a guy passed out. And I thought, man, you know, even when I was a drunk, I didn't like drunks. 
and I sure don't want to, have to deal with this one today, you know. But I thought, well, I'll just be, he's, you know, he's passed out, I'll run him up. I came out, he was standing in front of my truck, looking down at the cross. And I walked up, he said, this your truck? And I said, yeah, and I thought, Lord, you know, I don't want to, have to fight this guy. And uh, he said, you got time to talk to me? And I said, yeah, I got time to talk to you. I was supposed to be in Greenville, South Carolina that afternoon. And uh, we climbed up in the back of that moving van, and I grabbed my Bible for the next six hours. We read the scripture, and I talked to him about Jesus. He slowly sobered up. And finally, he yelled out, he said, I'm, I'm just an outcast in my own family. I asked, man, what are you talking about? And he said, uh, my mom remarried when I was a teenager. And I got, I got two stepbrothers, and I was always got what was left. I was always treated like a stepbrother. And he said, within the last few months, my mom and both my stepbrothers have, have been saved. And I'm left out again. And I said, you know, you don't have to be. I said, uh, this is something you can be a part of. And I said, you know, I've been going over these scriptures to you for the last five or six hours, and you haven't heard a word. I said, are you ready to listen? And he said, yeah. And we went over the plan of salvation again. He, and by this time, we'd stepped out. The was getting hot. We were standing out behind his trailer. And he said, you mean I can get saved right now? I said, right here. He grabbed me by the hand. We knelt, knelt on the parking lot. Right, trucks having to go around us. We were right there in the middle parking lot praying. And he, he prayed, said Christ. And uh, got up and ran and called his mother. Tell her, you know, those things started happening because... I had said, okay, God, you use me the way you want me to be used. And that was just one example. It happened time and time again where I didn't seek them out. They would seek me out. Not because of who I was, but because of who Jesus is. And there was no doubt there was a radiance coming from that truck that they could feel. That God was sending those messages out. This is the man you can talk to. So I, I did that for several years. Uh, continued staying in the, in the prison ministry and uh, fast forward a little bit to about five years ago in 2003 uh, I got involved in a truck stop ministry in West Memphis no intention of really getting getting too seriously involved in it I was going to go out and hand out tracks on Sunday morning back to God's service and I was going to go on back to church I had gotten out of the prison ministry by this time just felt like God had moved me out of that I still have contact with some, some inmates and still write them and stay in contact with them but uh, as far as the I wasn't seriously involved in it any longer and uh, and I didn't want to be involved in a truck stop ministry uh, I told my wife I said I, I don't want to do this I've been around trucks all my life I grew up in a cab truck with my dad I've been driving since I was out of high school I don't want to spend my weekends with truck drivers uh, I don't want anything to do with this and uh, but God wouldn't leave me alone. He just kept bring, taking me back out there. Uh, been there a few months, and another very serious turn took in our life. Uh, my wife Patricia was diagnosed with advanced colon cancer. This is a very difficult part for me to talk about. Uh, 
we went in to uh, have a colonoscopy done. Uh, immediately, the doctor told us, we, this is serious. We've got to get something done immediately. Uh, he got on the phone right then, called a surgeon. We had a phone a surgeon that afternoon. Uh, next day, she was in surgery. They removed a large section of the colon. Very successful operation. Got everything back back in working order. Uh, they did uh, find some cancer and some lymph nodes, which meant that it had spread. We didn't know to what extent. She went through radiation and chemotherapy. Uh, six months later, it was back in her liver, which is practically a death sentence. Uh, doctor walked in and told us that uh, that the liver, that the cancer had gone to her liver, and he wasn't sure he could save her. But he was a Christian, and he said, "But I know who can." And right there, he prayed that God would give him the wisdom to know how to treat her, and that He would heal her. Uh, went through a very successful liver resection, which is a very uh, serious operation. Removed, removed the cancerous tumor, removed the fourth of her liver. Again, God intervened. Uh, the surgeon who had done her colon surgery had a friend who was the uh, lead doctor on the University of Tennessee Medical Center liver transplant team. He called him. He agreed to do the surgery. We had the very best of the best. To, to do this. God does that. He he puts the people in your path that, that need to be there and he, he put exactly the right people in our path. Uh, very successful surgery. Uh, it's now 19, uh, it's 2008 and uh, she has been given a clear bill of health on that particular cancer. Uh, our life changed at that point. Uh, for the first time I realized how much I really loved her really loved her, how much I really needed her, how important she was to me, how much a part of me she was. And I had to be willing to give her up. Uh, I knew I had to do that to be in God's will. I had to turn it over to Him. And uh, we prayed many times together. But the hardest prayer I had to pray was, God, she's yours. If you want her, you take her. You know how much I need her. I have no idea what I'd do without her. But I'm trusting you. I'm asking you to heal her. But if you choose not to, it's okay. When I did that, uh, my relationship with my wife and with God totally changed. Uh, we, we fell... I fell in love with God and my wife again all over because I knew that I could trust Him with her. And I knew how much I needed her. And I wanted every minute to count. Uh, we, as I said, we just got a, uh, she just got a five year clean bill of health on that cancer. But uh, in 2000 and and six, we went in for another routine exam, and there was a cancerous tumor found in the right lung. We assumed that this was uh, colon cancer returning. Uh, doctors went in, removed 40% of her right lung, took the cancer out. Uh, 
Uh, it was lung cancer, totally new cancer. Uh, the doctors tell us it was probably because of our low immune uh, system, because of all the other chemos and radiation she had taken that uh, it just made it easier for this cancer to get hold. Uh, that, uh, that cancer was also removed. She went through chemo again for the third time and now it's 2008. She's been 20 months out and, and uh, total remission and God has just blessed tremendously. Um, but backing up just a little bit, uh, when she got sick the first time, I more or less said, okay, this is my way to get out of this ministry. I can get out of this, uh, you know, these guys won't expect me to come out this truck, so my wife's sick and I need to be home with her. And uh, But God, again, didn't see it that way. He, he knew that uh, he could take care of both. And uh, the director of the ministry, David Wright, was diagnosed with terminal liver cancer. Our ministry had been plagued with cancer. Probably 75% of the members of our ministry team have either had cancer or their spouses had cancer within the last five years. It's, uh, we, we joke we must be doing something right because Satan is really, is really being hard on us. And I, I believe that's true. I think he's trying to discourage this ministry and, and he's not doing a very good job. This ministry is growing daily. And uh, so I, I did drop out for a few months and, and he just kept, God just kept calling me back to it. When David was diagnosed with terminal cancer, he called me one day and asked me to come visit him. And I did, and he said, you know, I'm dying. I said, yes, David, I know. And he said, I want you to take this ministry over. And uh, I said, David, I can't do that. I don't have the time. I, I'm, I still drive for a living. I, I, I do a St. Louis term five nights a week for FedEx, and I, I don't have the time, you know, to do that. But I said, i tell you what. God will get it done, I'm sure. And I will take the lead and encourage the other guys, and with all of us, we'll, we'll get this ministry done. We'll, we'll do it. We'll, we'll, you can rest assured, I'll give you my word, that this ministry will continue. That gave David a great deal of, of peace, I think, knowing that someone was going to continue this ministry he had worked very hard in for years. And since that time, this ministry has flourished. Brother Gary, you, you've been here this weekend. You've, you've seen what this ministry is doing. It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with any other, other people here. It has to do with the fact that God is blessing this ministry. Uh, we have done our best to get out of the way and let him do it. We have done our best not to put uh, any man in charge of anything. God's in charge. Uh, we uh, we let him direct this ministry and I look back over the last five years uh, Patricia's illness uh, mother uh, breast cancer returning we lost her in May of this year uh, I look back and realize that my mother's in heaven because I gave my life to Jesus in 1979, and a year later, because of the great change in my life, she, she surrendered to Jesus and accepted him as her Savior. I know one day I'll see her again soon. I have nothing but pure joy in my life right now. 
Uh, I look back on this last five years as one of the greatest blessings that I've ever had. Uh, you, you heard Patricia say earlier today that it's been it's been good. Uh, this life is so short at best, sure. and we can let things like illnesses get us down. We can let it just destroy our lives. Or we can take those things and we can say, okay, God, it's in your hands. I don't understand why this is happening. I don't understand why my wife, which is, is one of the most moral, sweet ladies that I have ever met, has had to go through this. I've asked myself many times, God, why not me? Why not me? Why did you, why did you do this to me? I mean, if anyone had had it coming, I did. You know, not her. But he chose for some reason to let her be afflicted with this disease. And in and through that we have had to commit our lives even more to him. We've had to trust him with everything. Because you, you get to the point you realize that material things mean absolutely nothing. When when your loved one's life is is hanging in the balance. I would give everything I have, and God has God has blessed me. God has has provided the financial needs we we need. With He's He's provided the material things that we need. Uh, he's given us three healthy sons that now have three healthy families, all devoted Christians, all in church every Sunday, and and, and all sold out to Him. And and that's uh, I couldn't ask for anything any greater. Uh, he's in control. That's all I can say. He's in charge. And I know that if ever I allow him not to be in charge, and it'll be me, it won't be him. It'll be me saying, God, I, okay, I'm taking back over. I know if I ever do that, that these blessings can be taken away instantly. And uh, I just. I just hope, Brother Gary, that this testimony that I have never given to this extent to anyone, I pray that every driver picks it up will realize that it's never too late to come to know Jesus. It's never too late to turn things over to Him and that He will give you more than you will ever be able to give Him. It may not be material things. But he will give you a peace that can only come from God. And my prayer is that you know that this 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 testimony will touch somebody's heart, and that someone's life will be changed. That's my prayer. I was coming across Arkansas just a while ago. I'd been out west for a week or so. I just came through Little Rock and I was making real good time. I came up on the back of this Dallas-Memphis mail truck. Apparently the driver saw the cross in my grill. He picked up his mic and he said, well, pass the plate and pay the lady. You know, it just run all over me. 
I could feel the hair raise up on the back of my neck. I picked up my microphone and I said, Driver, I think it's a dirty, rotten shame that you compare what Jesus Christ did on the cross for what somebody else might have done. The radio was kind of quiet, but God was keeping a clear channel. In a couple minutes, he came back to me. He said, Preacher, is it real? I said, Yes, driver, it's real. But I still didn't want to talk to him. I was kind of upset with him about the way he talked about the cross and what Christ had done for me. A couple minutes went by and he came back again. He said, Preacher, how do you know it's real? I said, Driver, I used to leave home with a fifth of vodka sitting between my legs, a bottle of speed upon the dash, two cartons of cigarettes to make sure I didn't run out from truck stop to truck stop. Wasn't hardly anything I wouldn't do or say. But you know, when Jesus Christ came into my life, I never needed none of that no more. A couple minutes went by, he said, Preacher, would you pull over and pray with me? I want to be saved. I said, yes, driver, I will. You got to pray from your heart and not your head. You got to mean what you say. I met him at the back of my truck and we began to pray. I know my brother accepted Jesus that day. And before too long, we were back in our trucks and on the road again. I went back to him on the microphone and I said, driver, how do you feel? He said, with every mile that I drive, I feel that much better. I said, driver, if I never see you on this earth again, I will see you in heaven. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Fred, I wanted to put that song on because that song talks about driving across Arkansas. And Galen Taylor is from Arkansas. Me and him traveled that road that that this song talks about between Little Rock and Memphis. Galen's out of Memphis, and he drove many, many years across that I-40, and I did too. And and when I hear that song, you know, that's a song written by Earl Redenauer, and I just loved it, and I wanted to put it on our Lonesome Road uh, Volume 2 CD because I just loved that song, and I knew how it affected me when I heard it when I was driving on the road. You know, a lot like what Galen said, it's never too late, and it's never too late for you to get right with Jesus. And if you want to get right with Jesus right now, pray this sinner's prayer with me. Lord, I pray that you'll forgive me. I give my heart to you and my life to you, and I pray for your salvation in my soul. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen, amen. Drivers, if you prayed that prayer with Fred, then what you need to do right now is you need to call someone. Call your spouse, call somebody that you love, and then we want to hear from you. And we've got some materials we would love to send you that'll help you on your journey down the road. That's right. So give us a call right here at Lonesome Road Ministry at 618 383-2107. Let us help you 
with your walk with Christ. Back when 700 miles a day was only a truck driver's dream The interstate highway was the future Truck stops were few and far between We listened to the motor scream And the gentle hum of 18 wheels of rolling Beneath your feet The only thing to look forward to Was a hot shower and a meal And to get some sleep Back before CB radio Talk to but the man up in the stars above your head. An old worn out suitcase was your pillow. A board behind the seat was your bed. You'd wait before the sunrise in the morning to begin a brand new. Listen to the motor scream and the gentle hum of 18 wheels of rolling beneath your feet back before CB radios. Cold coffee from an old beat of thermos, sweat rolling down your brow. Another day of chasing that same lonely road Just to carry that old heavy load You'd fight the summer heat and old man went to snow Final destination, God only knows To listen to the motor scream and the gentle hum of 18 wheels of rolling Well, Fred, that was back before CB radios, and that's a song I wrote. I remember writing that song. I was thinking about my dad. You know, he he was a over-the-road truck driver back in the '60s when I was in high school, and he always talked about that board behind his seat because he didn't have a sleeper. <laughs> he just had a day cab, and he was running over the road with it, and he would pull that board out and slap it across his seats and make him a bed when it was time to go to bed. Now that's that's tough trucking right there. That's back before CB radios. That that was when trucking was tough. I I, I remember him talking about it all the time, and and I wrote that in a song, and that was the song you just heard. And now we're going to have another song, and this is another uh, 
great song, and it's, this is Joe Arview singing this song here, and it's a song written by Galen Taylor. And what's this song about now? This song is titled Two Ordinary Men, and Galen called me one night. He was just coming back from St. Louis. He'd, he'd been up to St. Louis. He was on his way back to Memphis, and he called me, and he said, I think I just wrote a song, brother. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, uh, and he read it to me. And he said, what do you think? I said, I think you got something there, brother. I said, you put that in the right hands, and you do have a great song. And so I suggested that he call Bill Shell down at Appletown Studios down there and let him and Joe Arview work on that. This is the product they came up with, and it's called Two Ordinary Men. And this is the testimony of Galen Taylor and myself. And he wrote our testimonies in this song. Set back, relax, and enjoy Two Ordinary Men. We were just two ordinary men, strong hands upon the wheel. We made our living hauling freight. Cattle, grain, and steel We were cold-hearted and calloused From the years out on the road While the devil held the wheel We gave our lives to the Lord But the sinful lives we chose to live Came with a dreadful cost Sin began to drag us down Our families all but lost said I need a sign And if God will show that he is real Then I'll gladly walk that line He drove on through that lonely day His heart was cold as steel And then he saw that sign Out in that Midwest field Jesus' arms were open wide Blood dripping from his hands He said this once for you Just two ordinary men, strong hands upon the wheel. We made our living hauling freight, cattle, grain, and steel. We were cold, hard, and calloused from the years out on the road. While the devil held the wheel, we gave our lives to the Lord. Still on the wheel, our nation's freight he hauls. He spreads the gospel through the land, 
the preacher he's called. Now the other took a different road to that old patch he was sent, telling men to turn from their sin and hear the Lord repent. We were just two ordinary men, strong hands upon the cross, standing side by side to bring the gospel to the lost. And we were cold, hard, and calloused from the years out on the road. Now Jesus took the wheel, and we gave our lives to the Lord. friends if you'd like to get your very own copy of this song it is on our lonesome road volume 2 cd so contact us here at uh, lonesome road ministry 618-383-2107 or log on to lonesomeroad.org and now i've got my testimony in song and this is off of our lonesome road volume 1 cd and dennis mckay helped me with this song it's called at the foot of the tree Without hope, 18 wheels of lonesome at the end of the road. In my hand was a track the preacher had read, his words still echoing in the back of my head. I felt so ashamed when I thought of my past. Hey drivers, we appreciate you letting us ride along with you in the cab and you can contact us at 618-383-2107 or you can log on to our website at lonesomeroad.org and check us out on the web you can listen to all of our radio programs on our website on our broadcast from the past page so check it out and if you ask jesus christ into your heart then give us a call and let us know been lost I left a lifetime of misery at the foot of the tree those 18 wheels are rolling down that old lonesome road and I shared the good news There's been a change I'm not the man I used to be And I tell everybody What's happened to me How I felt so ashamed When I thought of my past But I called his name This chance could it be my last Then I saw Jesus hanging on that tree And I lifted up my heart from down on my knees Today 
met Jesus at the foot of the cross. Broken hearted and lonesome, so long I've been lost. I left a lifetime of misery at the foot of the tree. Then I saw Jesus hanging on that tree. I lifted up my heart from down on my knees. Today I met Jesus at the foot of the cross. Broken hearted and lonesome, so long I'd been lost. I left a lifetime of misery at the foot of the tree.